I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome movie fans to Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie, where today we show that you have to add more than just water to make an instant family. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hey, hey everybody. Dimitri Panos here for Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. And along with my gracious, wonderful co-host, Marissa. Hello, Dimitri. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Nice. And also, we're going to have um, a disembodied voice who's going to join in, Juliet. Who handles our engineering and producing, but uh, she, hey watched, she she watched this movie and she asked if she could be part of the conversation. And of course we said yes. You guys are the best. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Good. you. Me too. And today we are talking about instant family. So um, off the, right off the top, I can tell you, um, well, you know what? Off the top, we always talk, we always give our opinions on this movie. This is mm-hmm. a, a family film. Uh, that's out right now during uh, the holiday season. Uh, we always give opinion when we start and talk of the sh- of our movies. So I'm going to start to my wonderful co-host, Marissa Serafini. What did you think of Instant Family? I was really excited for this film. I saw the trailer probably a couple months ago, <clears throat> and I laughed a lot. I was like, yeah, sold. It, um, and it's from like the a funny, funny side of the adoption care system and usually when you think adoption there's like a stigma to it and and foster care system because it's not your biological family there's always like strife and grief with with the system in that sense but i loved how they they touched upon it so um in in a humorous way where it's not disrespectful it's actually like actually adding more homage to it and i think they did a great job hilarious and honestly watching this I knew I was going to get like choked up because it's it's all with a family element. And when I say I properly cried in this film, I properly cried. Like I lost it in the theater. Like, damn it, they got me. They got me. And I'm so good. I want to see this film again. Yeah. Juliet, please tell <laughs> us, what did you think? I love this movie. Just like. Oh, you- hey, is that you on screen? <laughs> that is me. Hey, Hi. she's Hi. not disembodied. She's here. Hey. Let's see face with the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really enjoy this movie. I, I think as Marissa was saying, I just, I, I love a good movie that makes you laugh. It makes you cry. Just so many, a wide range of emotions. And it was honestly one of my, I think my favorite movies I've seen this year. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, uh, listen, I'm not going to disagree with any of what has been said. I will only add to, 
Um, yes, I liked the marketing, the, the, you know, the trailers I had it in. The movie is near and dear to my heart for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do think that it is a movie uh, they don't make anymore uh, here in Hollywood. And that is, look, this isn't going to be a franchise picture, uh, but this is it's a feel by good. far a feel-good movie it's prop for me it's one of the it's feel good movie of the year and they don't make crowd pleasers like this or they haven't in an extremely long time and and to piggyback off of that i think on top of it not only is it feel good it's associated with, with such a great cause and a purpose yes. Which yeah. is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that cause and purpose and its inspiration. Um, so, and again, I liken it to the movie Parenthood, which I believe came out uh, in the early 1990. 90s. With uh, Steve Martin, Mary Steenburgen, who was directed by Ron Howard. Right, and watched the television this, show Parenthood but, as well. And so this movie had that feel where it juggled drama, it juggled comedy, emotions. It earned every emotion uh, in this. And this movie really did. It makes you well up. In more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. But it's earned. Uh, the other thing about this movie uh, is the very first time uh, for my years of being a film reviewer that my review was actually quoted in the marketing materials. Oh, hey. Very, very first time ever. Uh, I had seen the movie uh, in Orlando when I was there for Show East. Um and I had done a, 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 a sort of a retweet from Instant Family, the movie, and I had said how much I liked it, gave a mini review. I got a response like a week later asking if they can use my review for their marketing material. I said, absolutely. Um, absolutely. By all means, uh, it's a movie that I really, well, I was totally honored and flabbergasted that somebody would, would actually come out and ask my permission and, um, of course, I mean, the movie earns every one bit of its emotion. We're going to talk about box office. We'll talk about certain things about this movie, but it really deserves to be seen, I think, because, again, it's something that is not currently out in the marketplace. And to walk out of a movie feeling as good as you do walk walking out of this movie... I think that's sort of special. And I think the great thing about this film, it, it appeals to a lot of different demographics. Oh. Um, it appeals to, to the older adult ge generation. It appeals to the, the, the younger because we have a bunch of kids and teenagers also in it. Um, it appeals to the, the people who love comedy, but it appeals to the people who love drama and sentimental. Um, there's so many different people who can enjoy this film. And there's a rewatchability factor, too. And we'll, we'll get more into it. Yeah. But I And it appealed to... The adoption community to the foster community. I'm adopted personally, so like I, it might sound biased, but totally. Um, so that it hits near and dear to me personally because I've been a part of that community, right. and and I think it, they do a great job. They they cover a lot of different classes in this movie, and they do it with much love and respect. I mean, I felt that every laugh, every um, emotion was well earned. Um, the movie never becomes, falls into a schmaltz cavern. It never becomes over schmaltzy. It's right on that line. I mean, um, Sean Andrews, co-writer, director, I think he does an amazing job in juggling the drama with the comedy and then intertwining it and making this a true, excellent family film. To your point, 
in which everybody can watch. Mm-hmm. You can watch it as a family. I think it's a great date movie. I think it's a great movie to go to with your friends. And I think you come out of it, you just, you to your point earlier too, you feel inspired to, you know, you want to be better. Um, so uh, I want to get into and start talking about uh, the movie is somewhat semi-autobiographical. Yeah. Which is... Um, which is fantastic. And this is a director, a writer-director, who did, like, Horrible Bosses 2, uh, Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home 2. All movies we've done here, we have covered his library, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Andrew's library. I wasn't, I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely not shocked the fact that it was uh, based off somewhat on a true story because of how real it was. It felt like, you know, sometimes people try to tell someone else's story and that doesn't always work. Here you could tell it was their own story. Right. And But, you know, sometimes with that is that um, sometimes when it's a creative's baby, Sometimes they overthink it and they become like overprotective of their own baby. And when it comes to fruition, it could be the better movie because they were so overthinking it. But I think Anders was brilliant in what he allowed in the movie. He knew his comedic beats. He knew how to make it real. Um, so there was a realism to the emotion. But some of the humor is definitely movie humor. Right. So you laugh, but then when it gets really all gooey and emotional, you just buy into it. And the kids were never annoying. No, except for the little girl kind of got annoying in, in some points. But that was on purpose because she was supposed to be a, a terror. <laughs> and But I did like the – there were elements and um, that felt realistic that a lot of parents actually do go through. I and mean, the real struggles of having – um, rambunctious kids being a little bit too much for them and the horrible thoughts that go through parents' head is like it'd be great if we were single again, you know, if we didn't have family, our lives would be easier. So those are relatable in that sense for just like parents just want to go back to the way things were before they right. had kids. And it doesn't make you a terrible person, it just makes you sure. like a human. Right. And and I like that. And even from the kids' perspective, they touched upon what the kids feel like in those situations. So it, I like how you can see everyone's different mindset of the exact same scenario. Right. And I think it's good because you don't get – usually you get like your one-sided story and that's what yep. we follow. But to get different generations and mentality, they touched upon that beautifully. That's a fantastic point because I really did get the plight of – I got the plight of of Ellie and Pete. Yeah. There are a couple who – they're all they've been on the fence they may have talked about having children they're on the fence about having they're children. stuck in the ways they're, right they wanted to start a family and do something new and i believed the plight so and it's very much like sean anders and his wife uh he, you know he said you know in, in interviews he goes you know life had happened we didn't we weren't sure whether we wanted an infant and then we started thinking adoption, and they were like, well, what if we get a five-year-old? That way they sort of catch up to us, <laughs> which is kind of what happens in this movie. And he said, you know, and this is, again, Sean, he, they weren't looking for teenagers, but they were at a fair. Yeah. So much like Pete and Ellie, who are getting into this, taking the training, and they come to this fair, which when you think about the fair, it's almost like auctioning off kids. 
It's a really bizarre really auctioning, just like more window shopping. Your for window kids. shopping, yeah. And it's I terrible when you look at it, but it's true. And I can't even imagine how it is for the adult and how it is for the kids. But I thought they caught the teenagers really great. Lizzie was like, uh, Excuse me, we can hear you. And I also liked how the movie (laughs) pointed out that this was, you know, really weird and terrible. They're like, this is strange, but this is the way it is. Go, go figure it out. So it was great they put attention to it. They did. This actually happens. Yeah. There's self-awareness. I love how they touched upon that. They're like, we're not awful people is what we do. But it is... They are real life events that happen all the time. That's how people get paired up. It's like you have to go visit and see everybody. Right. Just so you can gauge who might fit best with you. Yeah. And I I really in that aspect of the story is uh, Sean and his wife, they actually found uh, three children, siblings. Um, uh, The oldest daughter actually was inspiration for, for part of the story in which he said the oldest daughter um, did have that bond and connection still Lizzie. with the mom. Well, I'm talking about in real life. Oh, yeah. um, but so much so that the adoption of those three kids fell apart. So um, then they went on and they found another three kids in which they adopted. But he felt that the that that original story with Lizzie, the connection of the mom makes for good cinematic storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad he kept that memory with him. So he was able to, Lizzie becomes that character and the mom and Lizzie by Isabella Moner. I thought, number one, I think we're watching a star in the making with this girl. She's definitely up and coming. Definitely up and coming. Um, but I bought it. And, um, you know, we'll talk Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg together. I, again, I just bought them. Yeah, I like their pairing. <laughs> they need to do more movies together. I would be there. Yeah, I would totally watch them over and over they again. Were, they were great together. And it was almost, they had this, chemi- this chemistry where their dialogue. And then back and forth, they played off of each other very well. Oh, my God. And very as well. parents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They were great too, but also they're likable, and the, absolutely. And then I think the movie does a great job of establishing that they actually are good people. They're likable people. They want to do the the right thing, right? And and like their intentions are honest and genuine, right? And that's what you like because, unfortunately, when you get in the foster care, there's always people who only do it for the money and for the paycheck, and it's not mm-hmm. the best reasons why they do it. But watching and following these people is like, no, they actually want a family. Yeah. Yeah, and I like their journey to getting the family. First, I think they're just getting a teenager. And it's like, well, she has siblings, you she know. She comes with siblings. And they're like, oh, my God, three kids? Oh, Why would you do that? Me? Why would you show us those pictures? They're so adorable. And you understand. But you understand the parents. And to your point from earlier, you understand the viewpoint from the kids. This is an adjustment. And... You see the kids going through this adjustment just as much as you see the parents doing it as well. Um, and they make note of that. The scene was like, do we go in and kiss him goodnight? Do we- <laughs> You're overthinking this. Like, that was one of the cutest moments I thought of this movie. Yeah. And it doesn't come off as being rigged or, like, so manipulative. No, it's funny because you have to remember, like, these kids have been in the system longer than they've been, quote, unquote, parents down so i like how the kids brought their own experience right. to like this is just another well when in this started is like this is just another family yeah we're moving into <clears throat> yeah and 
I got to after after I watched the movie, some of my colleagues and at the point at the time I didn't even know um, had adopted children, and they came out and they were all red eyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were all red eyed and welled up, and they said, you know, this movie captures it really well, and to the point where they said the trash bag thing is real, the courthouse teddy bear is real. Um, and the, the, the other reason, um, and this I heard from multiple, a couple of people again, who I didn't, I didn't even know they had adopted children said, loved the fact that it made fun of the blind side because people who are in this, (laughs) in this adoptive thing, we hate that movie. (laughs) And I was like, and this movie does make fun of the blind side. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's like, you just, (laughs) so in the way that that's brought up too, is, is really funny and clever and it works. So. I got that sense that there was much tender, loving care to be brought into this movie. And then for me, it was all about the acting. I just bought them. I bought everybody. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the kids, like I said, I felt like the little They broke your heart. They did. So like the the moments and we're going to get more into it. But the moments that were really funny were really funny because, you know, they're being kids. So you're like, oh, they're teenagers, whatever. But when the moments where it got real, like this is what they're thinking in their situations and especially Lizzie wanting to go back to her mother. Um, very conflicting. Yeah, those are real emotions. And they're, uh, man, when I cried, I cried, man. I was like wiping my sleep. It was ugly. Juliet, how did you, did, did you cry? Oh, 100%. I try not to because sometimes, you know, you don't want people looking at you. But right. there's no, there no way I could not. I yeah. just was bawling. Uh, I think especially with the scene and the, just the mom um, coming back and then just them being in court. And then ultimately at the end when everything kind of works itself out, it's just so emotional. And it's just, those were really true happy tears. And once again, well, I did cry a lot. You guys, you are right. <laughs> uh, at the credits. <laughs> yeah. I cried for the credits with yeah. those pictures. That yeah, was yeah. really, really nice. Because those were, you know, although this is based on a true story, those pictures were actually real stories as well. And Including just... Sean Anders, his wife, and his kids. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I agree with you. And, and again, that's why I go back. They haven't made, there hasn't been a movie like this in such a long time. And I think it's a forgotten art. And I think they, I hope, I want more people to go see this movie. Because you're right about the tears of joy, like the emotions that you feel. This is this is the power of good movies. Mm-hmm. If you can walk out of a movie just feeling good about yourself and somewhat inspired, maybe to do something good, right? This movie hits it all, and it doesn't do it cheaply. Um, I understand why the kids, and this is why, probably why I didn't find them to be annoying, because there was anger, there was hurt there. Even in the little girl, they're in the system. You you understand. You understand from the parents' point of view that they're in uncharted territory. They think that they're doing great, which I love. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? This is easy. And then it's not so easy. And you got it from them. And the way that Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne, their performances, I think, were really great and real. Yeah, and I, you, you're talking about, like, when's the last time you had a film <clears throat> like this? The last movie that kind of touches upon it. That really, I mean, when I cried in that film as well, Martian Child. You okay. Saw, uh, 
John Cusack. Sure, sure. And I love how Joan Cusack made an appearance in this movie. But awesome. The, uh, amazing, great. amazing cameo. But the the movie Martian Child that came out probably early to 2007, 2008, around that year. Look it up. I <laughs> lost it because that is a story. If you haven't watched that movie, go right now. After us, obviously. But if you watch that film, the story is about uh, adopting a little boy. But there is a moment where the little boy is like, why didn't my parents want me? And it hits you because it comes from the, the child perspective. Of, like, this is what they're thinking. How come their original family didn't want them? And, like, being an adopted child, yeah, it comes. Like, we all think of that. And we never have the right answers or the best answers to that. And they touched upon it in this movie. Yeah. Like, want that need and want to be with your biological family but you can't right and it it, it hits it really does it really yeah. does so and i think that movie covers um comedy and drama as well right. just like this film yeah i want to talk um so isabella moner as lizzie there is um well there's a lot of scenes in which she's fantastic but the scene in which um ellie rose Byrne, is brushing her hair Mm-hmm. And she goes from being a little tense, a little like standoffish too. She's appreciating it. And then when Ellie does the nice thing about leaving the brush, there's the accept if I accept the brush, that means I accept them. A new and new mother. You're right. And it's painful as, as an audience member when you see that she doesn't. You're like going, "Oh my god!" You thought they had that moment, like, like they're, they're this is that the, close. the moment they're they're finally starting to bond. Yes, yeah. Um, I think yeah, you, they had that moment. We're so close to it. I also think that it was a way. I, it just it was also an acknowledging that my mom and I no longer have that relationship of her right. brushing my hair, and now that's just no longer the reality. And I think that was more so where it was coming from. I think it was a little less about the foster mom and more so about closing, feeling like she's closing a door to a chapter she's not ready Agreed. to do. Agreed. And I think that the way that it played out and the way that it was performed, I thought was brilliant because it works from, uh, from an emotional level. You, you, you want this family to to bond you want it to work because the parents are trying so hard and to understand and to navigate these waters and the kids are just trying to understand the situation they're in the younger kids are getting it a little bit more you know as the teenager lizzie's in her ways and she wants and fights for to get her mom back i felt the way you did julie when the mom comes back into the picture you're like oh you knew it was going to happen because they were finally starting to bond like a real family. Right. And then you have the actual the biological family come back in, in the and, and mess it up. Yeah. Then it was when we took the whole movie for them just to get to where they are now. Yep. Then someone else breaks it up. Let me ask you something. I mean, because at that point when, when she showed up, my first question was, did that happen to Sean Andrews and his wife? What's going to happen? Like... So far, this movie has me going up and down, but is she, are the kids actually going to go back with the mom? Like, I felt right. for a couple of minutes that that could actually happen. It could, because... I was almost believing the mom, because I didn't is, know That's always the fear of foster parents and adoption 
parents, right. adoptive parents. It's like when the biological family comes in because there's actually like legal, I don't know the exact rules, I should, but there are the biological parents do have legal rights right. to, to find their own children. Um, right. And that's always scary for the, for the actual adoptive, adoptive and foster parents. You know, right. like that is a fear. And I liked how they touched upon that too because even when we got the moment of the mother, you can tell she wanted the kids, but she knew she wasn't in a place to actually take care of them yeah. as much as she wanted. She couldn't. And that also breaks your heart, too, because yeah. you knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was very realistically played out from a movie going audience, from, from me being in the audience. The resolution, I'm glad it happened the way it happened. You know, I, I wanted this family to work. And speaking of family, there's one woman we haven't quite mentioned yet, and that's Margot Mar- Martindale as Grandma Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma Sandy was She was awesome. so fun. And a so voice fun. of reason. Yeah. And an amazing voice of reason. You know, um, the scene at the amusement park where Lizzie goes off, and then she comes back, and Grandma Sandy's like, where were you, Bubba? Oh. Oh, you got me that? Oh, that's such a nice shirt. That's great. That's so nice of you to do. Um, I loved Margot Martindale in this movie because she, too, she was fun, but she was the parent that would understand more than uh, her. Yeah, and that's what I love because she was the grandma. She's been a parent longer than these foster parents have been. And I loved how she came Mm. in and she knew when to pick the battles. Like, this is something that you shouldn't get upset with. This is something you should. And But as a good grandmother and an actual parent... That she brought humor to it. She did. Like, no, don't be mad at this. We're going right. to Six Flags. Right. We're going <laughs> like, to Get over it. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. She was, uh, everybody in this movie, she, she, she was fantastic. Um, and again, I, th- I think it really led to, I believe, some of the realism of the movie, the, the humanistic nature of this movie, where it didn't just have to rely on slapstick and situation. It relied on true emotion and things happening um and when when um mark Wahlberg and uh rose Byrne, where pete and ellie switched into parent mode Mm -hmm. you really bought that they were doing their best and i think that's what hurts so much if things weren't going to happen Right, and you, you mentioned like slapstick. Yeah, the the basketball was hilarious. <laughs> getting in the face is always funny. Um, but when <laughs> poor Juan, it was like accident oh, prone that he is. Uh, but with the actual nail gun, you think it could be funny, but no, that's where the whole parent switch mode went in. One hundred percent. They were legit. They were trying to be chastising and like have ground rules and stuff. As parents, try to have those boundaries. But the moment, like, any your children get hurt, you just get into protective mode. And I like that switch, and we saw that. That was great. And the fact, taking them into the hospital, and that Lizzie, too, came to be with her brother. Um, Again, if there's a movie about family bonding and togetherness, this is it. this one. (laughs) I swear, people, like... This is that holiday movie. And you get it in scenes, but it really makes up this wonderful whole. And the scene in what you're talking about is pure example of that. And it becomes, we're not in comp, where Lizzie at the beginning is in competition 
oh, I'll take over from here. I'll be the parent. And but it morphs into Pete and Ellie becoming the true parents. And I loved that transition and how it worked and how everybody was falling into place. The other great scene is the tearing was, down the house. Oh, yeah. yeah. We saw, like, I feel Lizzie had the biggest arc in this. Oh, movie. absolutely. And I, and I love that because with the whole hospital scene, this is where she changes and actually now tries to protect. As as awful teenager, just being a teenage girl, she was mm-hmm. um, in the scene that led up to the nail gun scene um, into the moment afterwards and how she immediately switched because she didn't want to leave that family All and right. she knows that like she, she's actually in a better position um you saw that just within two scenes right. let alone the entire film yeah now i think isabella moner is she is a star in the making uh the first movie i recall her in was a transformer movie michael bay more yeah. or less discovered we talked her. about it and we talked about it how was great she was, right yeah and then she's in sicario 2 which is such a completely different role than what she was in transformers and she nails it. She's a she's the drug lord's daughter, and she was amazing in this movie. Um, switching back from speaking Spanish to English to to being tough to being a child, she was amazing in that movie. And then in this movie, again, her wide range of being angry, being sympathetic, comedic beats. Yeah, she's fantastic, and she sings. And I mean, sings. I did, she sings. She's the the final, the end credits. It's her singing, mm-hmm. and they show her singing. Cutting I didn't the track. know she could sing. I didn't either. I can't say enough about how well poised uh, as an actress, as a young actress that she is. Um, I, I hope her continued success. Um, we already, I mean, we know that Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne are good actors, right? Oh yeah. I, you know, I I think enough can't be said about their. You know, we talked about their chemistry, but they're really, they really are folks good in this movie. I mm-hmm. buy them as as a couple. And I think, well, I know Mark Wahlberg has kids, but I think they were able to bring their own experience to this. And it works. And they can make the comedy like, I got my first daddy. Oh, my God. You can suck. I help you suck. <laughs> but you get that competitive nature yeah. within <laughs> the boundaries of this movie. And their chemistry, that's what makes it so funny. Honey, can I help you with anything? No. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Get away. <laughs> but and, and that's also why you like Ellie so much because you want her to get that same uh, reciprocated yes. love from the kids too. She has to work harder right. for it. But once she finally officially gets there, especially with when Juan says, "I uh, like good night, mommy." She's like, right. "What? What did you say? Can you say that again?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she was trying so hard. But um, you like it because you, you like both of these characters. You want them to get to that parental level that yes. they're getting recognized. But they're by their kids. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I can't, I can't agree with you more, and I can't stress enough how, like, the magic that this movie works, um, f- for an audience, you know. And when you, when I got out, I actually, uh, aside from talking to colleagues who had adopted, I was interested. Like, not again. I know my own strengths, and I'm not in a position to lie, to adopt, but. The process, it made me curious. Oh, you know, very much. I so. can tell you all about it. Um, yeah. My family, Please. well, it, it, yeah. it is very, Share very what you relevant. Want to. My sure. parents, uh, so I'm one out of five kids. Five. We're all adopted. Me and oh, all my are. siblings, we're all adopted. My parents 
God love them. They're they're seriously angels. They're going to go straight to heaven. Um, they're not even going to stop at the white pearly gates. They're just going to get right in because they are amazing. Um, they were also foster parents too. Uh-huh. So not only are they adopted um, parents, they they were also foster parents for a long, long time. So they they always love kids. And yes, the 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 actual adoption process they put you through a lot of loops uh, loops and, and they put you through the ringer and this stuff but that doesn't mean it's not possible it's definitely possible they did it five freaking times individually so it, it really depends right. on how uh, the, the parents you ha- you have to have a strong foundation with those two and and like the the support system and how much you really want it my yeah. parents wanted it they wanted yeah. it five times they actually wanted it six times they decided to stop with me <laughs> no I, you broke the mold Marissa <laughs> I did my, my, like I, I know we're getting a little off but. So Okay, but I'm fascinated. My, my dad always wanted six, right? And they stopped at five. So, yeah, one of the Brady bunch. Yeah, they they wanted my dad wanted six kids. That's funny. And my mom was like, "No, nope, with your next wife, you can get your six children." <laughs> That's awesome. So, so, I mean, it's possible. But I come from a very loving adopted mm-hmm. family, yeah. and it also helps as an adopted kid that I had other people that were also adopted too. So sure. it doesn't it doesn't feel taboo, right? It was very normal for me personally growing nice. up. Whereas other people, they don't like to talk about it as much. I was like, I don't have a problem with it. Sure. It really just depends on how you grew up with it. Well, I appreciate you sharing with us. I I'd never, I honestly never knew. Right. And Didn't I know. was exposed to foster kids, too. I had, like, I met the kids that they fostered. Right. So it's it's not new for me. Yeah. It might be new for someone else getting into the system, but uh-huh. I... I have lived this system. I know it. Wow. Okay. So, so this movie really did strike a chord, huh? Yeah, it, I hit mean, home it had to, me. to. So, as an adopted kid, like I think this movie did a great job of touching upon it. Right. It didn't feel disrespectful whatsoever. Yeah, and that's what I loved about the movie is that it never disrespected the family. Uh, I also loved how it showed. Um, I also loved how it showed how Pete and Ellie would second guess themselves. Are we? Doing, are we making the right decision? Like, are we cut out to do this? Like, and they were inspired by their 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 friends or their sister in law, um, and their family. And, like, and they their, had their right. own competitiveness within their family. Right. Like, you always have to be the perfect one, and they, yeah. and just everyone else doubting them right. made them want it even more. Right. Well, yeah, it's not like you're gonna have kids. And what I also, that look I also really like the scene when they were uh, second guessing this decision and they were like, okay, yeah. we can just take them back. We can take them <laughs> right, back. Because right. that was, you know, it was funny and a little sad because part of it was a little true. And I also really enjoyed in that scene how they were saying, but I'm going to miss everyone thinking we're amazing people. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And, and, and that, I could see perhaps Sean and his wife having that conversation. But again, it, it goes to they second guess whether or not they would be appropriate parents. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the point of this movie being so honest. Yes. Because whether people admit it or not, I'm sure there's those conversations that maybe people, couples don't have together, but they're definitely having it in their head after a long day and crazy things happening with the kids. I'm sure. And even parents who just, who have, have t- uh, children on their own, you know, you're probably like, wow, was this the best decision? Why was in my life better before these kids? Well, <laughs> and, and to your point though, if you're writing a movie about this sort of thing, in, in many cases, you might shy away from that, right? Because it's, it shows a sense of selfishness. And you have to walk a line because you don't want to think that your main 
protagonist. Your parents are jerks, right? Right. But it was handled in such a way you understood what they were thinking about. And deep down, you sort of kind of got the sense that they weren't going to bring them back anyways. You know, you know that they were joking. They were just... They were tired. And they were coming up with justification for this conversation. But you just knew, like, when they show Pete going online, like, away from his wife to look at kids, Mm -hmm. you saw him melting down. He wanted it to. Yes. You know. And... You just bought them going into it. And then when they go to the classes. And when you see everybody else, you're like, these are actually the most normal people, the normal couple out of everybody. Yeah, they were. They were funny. Like, oh, man, Octavia Spencer and Tig Notaro. Oh, my God. Again, (laughs) put them in movies together. They were so good. They were so good together. Um, Again, I, I can't I cannot say enough. Um about this and i would thank sean anders and company um for 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 making this movie because we need more movies like this i think in today's world we need this escape we need this positive thing this brings i think can bring people together the the definition of a family movie it's the definition of a feel-good crowd-pleasing movie that isn't offensive okay one of the kids says fuck. <laughs> Once. If, 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 they were so funny. They used the one. They, they used, used their it one, effectively. And it was effective. And if that's what's going to offend you and turn you away from the movie, then, then stop going to the movies. Because this, I, I mean it, like we need movies like this today. There's so much going on and so much distraction that I, when I walked out of this, I just felt good. And I laughed. And... Everybody from, listen, Juliana Gamiz, who played Lita, she was so cute. And Juan Gustavo mm-hmm. Quiroz, the kids were great. Octavia, Octavia Spencer, Spencer were great. Uh, Alan Rachel is Kim. <laughs> that, that couple was great. <laughs> oh, yeah, Have yeah. a nice argument. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. We're not arguing. Yeah. Even the woman who played the the one who wanted the, the athletic child. The athletic. You're like, the, again, bad reasons to get into the foster Absolutely. care. And it was, it's... It was so funny when, ironically, she got like the the least opposite of what right. she wanted, and you you feel for, and you don't really feel for her, but you're like, yeah, that's what you get, karma. Right. right, it is karma, but it makes it funny. It made it funny, and uh, I have to also point out Julie Haggerty. <laughs> she <laughs> was when her face was all covered oh, in the marker. And you're oh, trying to take her off. seriously, yeah. <laughs> It'll wash I, up. But like she's giving uh, like sharpie. life advice, and her face is covered in sharpie. <laughs> and also the banter at the end with her, the two grandmas just kind of oh. fighting for the attention. I thought that was really oh, cute. Yeah, right. Like so, it's just a whole another generation of comp- competitive, competitive parents. Right. And on top of it, it also shows how this is really truly family, and everyone's embraced them. You know what I mean? I really enjoyed that. The, they're acting like real grandmothers because that's what they are. Yes. Yeah. There's Agreed. actually, uh, I believe, Agreed. I mean, it's it's different and a lot of people, you know, break the rule. But uh, one of, this is what I grew up with, um, when you first adopt children, mm-hmm. you know, there's actually a time limit of how um, before you, you have to spend with 
the children before you expose them to extended family. Right. Um, so sometimes it could be like two weeks, or sometimes it can be a month. Wow. Just to acclimate the kids to living at home, the different living situations, having parents and you know, being, being taken care of other people. Sure. There's actually a definitive timeline wow. before you can actually expose yeah. them to more people. That's very uh-huh. interesting. I think is it because it's not, it's just maybe a little too overwhelming is what you're saying? Yeah, too uh, overwhelming for children. It changes and like, I don't, I don't know this exact legal rule, but that is recommended when you first like adopt children. Yeah. So I want to talk to um, I want to talk a little bit about Lizzie and, and Isabella Moner again. Um, so apparently she was only the second person to come in and read. And on her read, the second person, they, they were like, that was it. Apparently she she had them all in tears for who she was reading for. And she was so real, Andrew says, and grounded and heartbreaking that when she left, we turned over her headshot and we were delighted to read. That she has her master's in social work. How does she have a master's in social work? <laughs> I don't understand that. She seems a little. Um, she seems a little young, young. but um, she could be a genius. So, just getting Pete and Ellie's foster kids' birth, birth mother in a heartbreaking scene in the final act. Uh, the, okay, so a former foster kid named. Marid Green offered up notes in the script, and mm-hmm. she became the unofficial official Lizzie, Lizzie consultant, consultant yeah. which is cool, before joining the film as a production assistant. And Green helped provide guidance for Lizzie's portions. And, yeah, I just thought that the Lizzie you're, – you're right. Lizzie has an arc uh, in this film, as do the parents. I think everybody has a learning curve that they it, by the end it's accomplished – Right. Yeah, they're all. Sorry. They're all learning, and they're all, as you're saying, there's such growth within each character. <clears throat> you see the parents just take more ownership in their, you know, qualifications as parents, and then you see the children dropping their guard and being more trusting to these strangers, who then eventually become their family. Yeah. That's huge growth. That takes a lot. Yeah. Right. And it makes sense that Lizzie's character, or she's older, she's a teenager, who of has course. a whole range of emotions than what the younger um, Juan. And, and Lita would because is so it makes sense that Lizzie, who's the most conflicted, and you can understand her story between the foster family and her her real mother, right. the biological, and she's torn. And as audience, you watch her entire journey. Yeah, between the two. Yep. No, I think, uh, and then it comes to it comes to this wonderful conclusion. You know, I mean, the movie comedy aspect of it. This this I can't confirm whether or not this happened, but it seemed written for the movie is the, the janitor of the high school. Oh, and, and then the confusion with story, Ray. <laughs> it, just, it was. It's another situation where they're trying to get closer to Lizzie. Right. Like more off. She comes with a lot of obstacles, whether you like Absolutely. it or not. But this is the, the parents trying to be good parents is like, what are you doing with our daughter? What are you doing with our daughter? And it's it's that mistaken identity <laughs> scene. And, they, and the poor redheaded kid. Oh Aww. my god. <laughs> like You're he just so felt sweet. I know. And, and it's good that he comes back at the end of the movie, but where it leads though is it ends up on our parents being taken away by the police. Yeah, right. <laughs> they took it too far. <laughs> they took it too far. And it's also part of how they, quote unquote, they lose the kids, you know, because mm-hmm. of this. And then there's the whole letter writing um, thing. And when you, that, that, that's where you cried, right? 
when we, we read oh, the letter. Sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. When, when uh, the, not not the letter in the court, the letter when they finally find Lizzie and they hand it to her. Yeah. Yes. And I also thought that that neighbor and you, this is what John Cusack. Cusack was just giving, you know, such comedic relief. You're crying and then you're like, ha ha, they're crying some more. And it just, exactly. again, shows how many layers this movie has. Right. Exactly. It's a moment where you're legit bawling your eyes out, but then Joan Cusack with her community time, and you're like, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. You are. And And you're like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) just keep going. She was perfect for the role, and it was a perfect juggling act. I have pie. (laughs) Come on over. And the two two, uh, social workers end up on going as well, which is so absurd. so funny. Like, why not? You know what? You deserve some pie. Come on. Yeah, come on. I'm going for pie. Legit, the last 20 minutes of this movie, I was a mess. I was a mess because my emotions were everywhere. In a good way. In a really good way. It was an unequivocal mess. and, And that's why, you know, I... Number one, it was it was it was a it was an extremely proud moment for me to be asked um, to, to to call it the feel good movie of the year, uh, and they haven't made a movie like this in a while. And then it bums me out because you know that Paramount has this really good movie on their hands, mm-hmm. and I just go, well, why the heck? Because they moved it up. Yeah, they did. They and wanted it around family time, which is Thanksgiving. I get it, and but let's. I want to talk about this. You know, they had. I liked the trailer, but I also think I love that trailer. what the trailer can't um, capture is the emotion, like the good emotion. It almost makes it look like it's um, just like a, a comedy, Daddy's Home kind of a yeah, comedy, just a comedy, right? The movie. So. It's it's hard, and I understand that. My whole thing is, so currently, as of November 28th, the movie's made $38 million. It, they opened this movie up against Crimes of Grindelwald and Wreck-It Ralph 2, mm-hmm. okay? Right in a very crowded, um, in, a, in a very crowded... Both of those are sequels. Sequels. It's Thanksgiving. Um, it's a very crowded time frame because Creed 2 also opened also up in that same time. Also a sequel. Not necessarily the same audience, but still, it's grabbing audience. And I just have to ask, like, why did you decide you're not going to spend the money to market up against those bigger films? You're just not. Like, these are big sequels. Yeah. You can't compete. You're not budgeting Unless you're going to throw a gobs of money to market instant family to compete with these, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. There's so much. I just wonder, would it have been a better idea to release this movie in January where there isn't so much competition or at least release or it even now? earlier February, early, earlier November. Right. I mean, they, they released it the second week of November, but right. even early the first week of November could have helped them. Yeah. It came on November 16th. Yeah. Um, I think closer to Christmas would have been a better play, honestly. But, but again, Christmas is going to have Mary Christmas Poppins. Is, that is true. Yeah. It's going to have... But Christmas is even a harder holiday Bumblebee, to sell your which movie. is Paramount. Oh, my God. And I, Go ahead. Sorry, just a quick question. Please. Like, for someone who does... Uh, who enjoys movies really a lot but doesn't know too much about the business, sure. when you have a movie... 
how do you really determine that release date? Is a studio allowed to be like, oh, you know what? Creed's coming out. Maybe this isn't the best time. Let's wait. Or do they just not really have that power and things are kind of decided? No, actually, well, the way it works is um, you, you look through a release schedule. You look at a competitive calendar to see what's coming out. You pretty much know what you have. And you make a the distribution department, the head of distribution, um, along with the team, will make a recommend and say, we should plant our flag here because we believe that, A, there's nothing like this movie. Um, there isn't competition for us. Uh, and we feel that we could, we're going to stretch. We have a good enough movie. So the way I look at Paramount is they probably felt November 16th going into Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Kids are going to be out of school. They knew that they were going to get good reviews. So the idea was, after they see Grindenwald and after they see Ralph, our word of mouth will still grow. And they got an A on CinemaScore. And I believe an 80... It's a high-rating movie. A really high-rated movie. And I believe it was like an 81% or... It's in the mid-80s yeah, it's from, like from Rotten Tomatoes, which is fantastic. for Tomatoes. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic for this movie. So they probably thought that they're going to go... Word they can have legs, right? My thing is, they should. I think they picked too crowded of a time period for this movie to come out because they're not going to dump the money to Mark. Crimes and Grindelwald is is Warner Brothers. It's a sequel to a major major franchise. Wreck It Ralph Two is Disney. It's mm-hmm. a sequel to a big movie, and it's their animation. Disney and Warner Brothers for those movies dumped a ton of marketing dollars into it. Paramount is one of the major seven studios, right? But this movie's $48 million. How much are they really going to spend? Like, they can't outspend from a marketing standpoint. So I think they were hoping that the word of mouth was going to help this. But I really think that this movie deserved... It gets lost. It got lost. It gets lost, unfortunately. And it's a great film. And it's holding up, but I wanted it to do better. I had hoped that it would do better because it's a movie that... I want Hollywood to make more movies like this. Or they could have, like, I'm trying to just think of another weekend that would have helped maybe around Memorial. And that's in May. Sure. That, that like, mm, But that's a very summer. crowded time. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like early uh, summer, mid-summer. You know, but you're trying to pick a slot in which you're either going to counteract. So that's why you'll usually notice when a comic book movie comes out, like an Avengers movie, right? Usually around that time, they'll release... Uh, like a, a woman's picture, something something that counter that goes counter against that audience, where they think they can draw in some money. Counter programming. It's counter programming. This one, there was just too much family product out in the marketplace, and they weren't going to outspend those bigger studios, or they weren't going to outspend those studios. I don't want to say they're bigger studios. Paramount, in its own right, is a big studio. Yeah. I just wish they had. I wish they had. I wish they just put it in a time. Period, like now, where there's no family film, like those movies are out already. This particular weekend, right? Why not go into Mary Poppins, lead into Me Mary too, Poppins, Mary. or come out in January once the kids are back in school? Come out then because eighty-seven and an A movie should do much much better. And when you have a Mark Wahlberg movie, particularly when you see what Daddy's Home does, and I think this movie is far better than Daddy's Home. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. funny. This is a far better movie. And it appeals to a bigger demographic. I think yeah, so. Yeah, you home 
Well, it really appealed to really just the men. Sure. You know, but this is a better movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it it saddens me. Like, this movie should be making $100 million. It should be. Um, when they made these kinds of movies in the 90s, like Parenthood, those are $100 million movies. Those are huge movies. And, and they weren't on as many screens as this movie is, which this was 3,200 screens. So it's hard to compete. And it's too bad that it could get lost in a shuffle. Um, its its holds have been pretty good, meaning its percentage drop from day to day and weekend to weekend had pretty been strong. pretty decent. Yeah. But to answer your question, that's how a distribution department will look at, they look at a competitive calendar and see where their movie is can best be slotted with the least amount of competition or the least amount of what's going to take away from my movie. How do I do it? And can I market it? Can I spend the marketing budget to make a movie release on that date and try to make it successful? So there, there is a lot of chess playing and a lot of flag planning. The other thing to your point is many times a studio will pick a date and then another another studio like Disney. Oh, Disney is famous Disney for this. Too, yeah. They will jump on that date and oh, what happens? That movie that first planned in there, they, they get off the date because yeah. they know that they can't Disney compete. switches their own movies all, all the, the freaking time. time. All the time. All the time. Like they push Toy Story 4 back just to release this movie. Right. You're like releasing, you know, Wreck-It Ralph and all that. Yeah, so... They they do it with their own movies. They're like, nope, let's switch these. It's a juggling act for sure. And in this one, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that it paid off. I, I because, wish. Sorry, my last no, question no, is. No, no, no. Um, so if they, I'm assuming if they have to pull out, though, of a different date, so then he comes in, something comes in, and just not a good time, that must cost money, doesn't it? So maybe is there just not a – maybe it's they're just like, oh, wait, we do. it's going to cost too much money. It's too much of a hassle. Let's just stick with this, even though it's not the best thing. It depends on how far out. Okay. I mean, like, you're not going to – it's rare. I'm saying it's never happened, but it's rare that you're going to pull a movie out a month from release unless the movie is really stinky. Um, or they don't know how to properly market it. Right. So it's extremely rare. But if you're months out, in fact, you end up saving yourself money. And this is what I don't understand about Paramount – their 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 bean counters had to know that they they weren't even going to come close to the spend of Crimes of Grindelwald and Wreck-It Ralph too, mm-hmm. but they knew they had a good movie. So I'm wondering what was the why did you they actually they're moved all different it studios. You, think, you have a Disney studio, you have WB, and <clears throat> you have Paramount. They're yeah. all competing studios. Yeah. So they want to have their 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 pick. In the lot. In yeah, the absolutely. There you go. But they had to have known, because they know what their budget for instant family is, and they knew that they were going to be outspent five to one. Yeah. And so, I think they, they could oh. have been banking on their star power, too, with Rose Byrne and Mark Wahlberg. Sure. Sure. You know, and the trailer was funny. Um, I don't know. Uh, there isn't there isn't more love that I can give. That This movie will most likely land in my top ten of this year. Because I loved it so much. It, mm-hmm. it's, and it's so rare. And, and to say again, I think in today's world, we're so distracted by so many things that are happening in real life. To go to the movies and escape and to walk out to feel good, that means a lot. It's refreshing. And it's not overly long. The no. movie's not long at all, too. It's not, it's not even close to two hours. So 
That's yeah. why I think we need more movies like this. Just to feel good walking out. You spend 10, 12 bucks, whatever. You come out feeling good. I think that's important. It's a wonderful distraction. And if it inspires somebody to do good, like you said, even more so. Yeah, and it's shedding positive light on real communities out there. Absolutely. You know what else I loved about this movie? It didn't make a huge fact of, of the matter that these kids are Latino. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. This movie doesn't go out of its way to say, hey, we got Latino kids there. No, you know why? Because Latino kids are all over the place. Like, it's fine. It's real life. It's like they weren't judging based on race. And we're not we're not hiring Latino personality. kids. Right. They were looking for personality yeah. in these kids. Right. And I did love that because usually see, not to sound terrible, but I am Asian. It's like, I was part of the adaptive Asian generation. Sure. <laughs> and I, I made fun of that. I didn't know there was also. a generation. No, this is what I, I call it. But it's like in the 80s and the 90s, da- so many Asian kids were getting adopted. I was definitely part of that generation. Okay. So you always, you see a lot of Asian kids adopted. Um, and then also in the 90s, you had like African-American kids were adopted. Okay. So like you see a lot of African-Americans and Asians getting adopted. You don't really see, and you, people don't shed light on Latino communities yeah. getting adopted. And I like that. Yeah. I, I like just, that they did that. And again, going back to the honest factor, when it was brought up, it was always in a fun way. You have the grandmother who's trying to say her J's right, and then right. just saying Jacob instead of Jacob when that, and it was just so funny and then you also you know have Mark Wahlberg who's trying to be honest and just not saying the right things and he's just saying like are we the white saviors wait no I mean I just I, I don't know I don't I just don't uh, uh, and it was yeah. really funny because you know what all you can do is be honest and this is what they did and if we don't especially in this day and age people tend to be scared to have certain conversations so i thought it was important that they brought it up in the matter that they did i, yeah. I, I to me it adds to the realism of this it made it and it was funny too because they, they tried so hard and it was genuine and sincere that genuine mm-hmm. and sincere otherwise it comes off as being racist but it's genuine. right <laughs> and but what i love about it is that they just didn't make this big deal like we didn't hire these kids like you know because there's a push like oh we got to hire latino but but these kids they were so genuine and sincere it doesn't matter like it was great because they exist and it's fine and this family adopted them mm-hmm. because of they were genuine and real it, they weren't picking because of race color creed religion or anything i just love that aspect of the movie um, like they're only and I don't even want to call it discrimination. They're only things that they were really yeah. looking for were age range. Right. Like they wanted ideally they wanted kid and they ended up getting kids yep. along with the, with the teenager. They were really just looking for age. It mm-hmm. didn't matter the sex, gender or yep. any of that or race. Yeah. They were like they were like that woman who wanted a football player. Yeah. Like she was very specific with what she wanted and she got. The the complete opposite of yeah. what she was asking for. It's so funny. So, yeah, instant family. I think it's the crowd. I do believe it's the crowd pleaser of the year. I mm-hmm. could easily see it again. Yeah, I I'll easily it get it on Blu-ray. Um, uh, so why don't we? Uh, well, let's. Uh, we can wrap this up on instant family. Mm-hmm. Um, Juliet, we'll start off with you. I'll go around the horn this way. So your final closing thoughts on Instant Family. A great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you have seen it, go see it again because it honestly is that good. And thank you guys so much for letting me be part of the conversation. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I always really enjoy being, you know, behind the scenes, pushing the buttons. But it was really fun to talk to you guys. So thank you. I think the more people that talk about this movie, 
is needed and necessary. Yeah. So you say, if you've seen the movie, tell somebody else. I've been, like, trying to shut off mountaintops. I was trying to tell my parents to go see this. I was like, you'll enjoy this, too, being adopted parents. Um, I think (laughs) it touches on a lot in a really nice way. Um, It sheds the light on adoption community. It sheds light on foster communities. And it's feel-good. And I love feel-good. I'm such a sucker for feel-good. And I cry. Any movie that, like emotionally moves me i'm all for it and i will definitely buy this when it comes out yeah i I, i'm not gonna lie i welled up uh in a good way uh and that hasn't happened in a movie like i didn't i wasn't depressing welled up it's like oh this movie works uh marissa i want to say um uh on behalf of anatomy of a movie thank you for your insights uh today i never knew um and to the audience well, I don't I want, talk about it a lot but well, yeah but i appreciate it uh it was from the heart it meant a lot. The audience, this is real. Juliet, I want to say thank you for joining, too, because I think the more people that talk about this movie, to inspire other people to talk about this movie, and whether people become parents, maybe they'll want to be a mentor or something. Yeah. Right? Just, think just about be involved, it. help out. You can yeah. volunteer in most of these places. And, yeah, just just, just be better. Yeah, yeah and I want to thought, be good you know, people. thank Sean Anders uh, for, for, for making this movie. I think it's the best movie that he's laid out in his career thus far. Um, I continued success. That's, uh, you know, I can't say enough about this movie. I look forward to uh, it on Blu-ray. But I will see it again in the theaters as well. Yeah, I'd see it again. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another Anatomy of a Movie here in the Popcorn Talk Network. Stay tuned because we will be talking about movies like Mary Poppins, like um, Bumblebee. Um, there's another big movie We've covered all those yeah. ones in the past. Transformers. We've covered Transformers. Horrible Bosses. Horrible Bosses. Horrible Daddy Bosses home. 2. Daddy's Home. Daddy's yeah. Home 2. We've covered We them. talked all about those movies. I want to know your thoughts on Instant Family. Uh, please feel free to comment. Uh, inspire more people to go see it. Because it deserves to be seen on a big screen with an audience. You'll love it. That's it. Bottom line. Bye, folks. Until next time. Producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. I lay my trouble bones on you if you